Hello, welcome to the Can't Blue podcast post-match reaction. I'm your host, Dan Rowlandson, joined by Matt Kendrick in his scarf. Matt, how are you? Cold? I'm like the snowman that refuses to melt. Um, can you hear me? <laughs> did, did I just, oh, I heard a funny boinging on my, my screen. That's a really bad yeah, start. No. I, I can hear you. I can see you. I'll tell you what, before we do start, and I didn't tell you this on air before we started, because I thought if I did tell you before we start, you would say no to doing the show. I've had new Wi-Fi, so this is the first time I've tried it doing a, doing a stream, so I might disconnect for 10 minutes and you have to fill time maybe if you're, if you're comfortable doing something like that. Just trying to think. I was looking around for props, something I could uh, read through or something, but uh, yeah, don't don't jinx it, mate. Don't tempt fate. No, fingers crossed it should be all good. This is my first proper test of a uh, new Wi-Fi, so fingers crossed you can see and hear me okay. Uh, we're here, of course, to talk about Aston Villa 3, Burnley 2. Uh, I think we can all breathe a collective sigh of relief, can't we now, Matt? 42 points, should be safe for next year? It's it's just remarkable, isn't it? I think, you know, the little moments of frustration during today's game and obviously during the last couple of games that haven't gone our way. I don't want to become one of those spoilt, entitled, Oh, I've lost your uh, visuals, now your audio. This is gr- great, isn't it? Let's read some comments while Matt finally sorts his life out. Uh, pinch yourselves, we are top, joint top tonight, says Josh. We'll talk about the joint top thing in a bit, because I don't like it. Here he is, he's back. I'm going to read some comments while you sort yourself out. Um, Brett Riverboat says, this is without doubt the biggest win of the season. Um, yeah, a few people saying hello, good evening, etc. Hello, everyone. So I've tempted fate here, haven't I, by joking about my Wi-Fi at the start and now being treated like this in return. Uh, we will flash up the Premier League table and talk through that whilst Matt sorts himself out. How can we not show it? Uh, 42 points, Liverpool first. Aston Villa, 42 points, second. Uh, only second on goal difference. Man City in third, 19, uh, 19 played, 42 points. Uh, same with Arsenal. 19 played, 40 points. Um, yeah, this is ridiculous, isn't it? Uh, I think Matt filled pretty well the last time this happened for me, but uh, I'm not as good at Matt as winging things. Uh, but yeah, here we are. 42 points for Villa. I'll talk about the joint top thing on my own, because this is my own little um, bugbear. I'll, I'll get out of the way while Matt sorts himself out um, for the audio version. I will try and edit around this, but it's Christmas, so I might just have to leave it as it is. The joint top thing, I don't really like that. And I know people are going to say that oh, that's just me moaning and being silly and, and that kind of thing, but we're not joint top, are we? We're second. If the season ended right this, right this second, Villa would be second. We wouldn't split the trophy with Liverpool. We're not joint top in the sense that, you know, we are, have half a Premier League trophy each. We are second based off goal difference. That's what goal difference is there for, to split the difference when you're level on points. So we're, we're matching the points of second place, but we're not joint top, are we, Matt? We're second. Oh, you're such a Scrooge, aren't you? <laughs> you know what made me think of that? You know, the fo- you know the football cliches podcast? Are you aware of this? I am, yeah. Yeah, yeah but some of the things, I don't listen to all of them, but I'll follow them on Twitter and some of the things that they mention is uh, right up our street, I think, for little little moans about football, like whether a football club should be capitalised with a C, that kind of thing. Oh, no, really boring stuff. Okay, you've got one of yours. Mine is joint top, not being a thing, we're second. I'm aware that's very moaning, very scroogey, but yeah, uh, joint second. No, we're not, we're not even joint second, we are second. Do you know why well, you've got me? Do you know the thing that annoys me as well? When football clubs parade exclusive interviews with their own players? Yeah, yeah, like, well, of course it's not an exclusive. It's, it's, right, it's like me speaking yeah. to you because you're my work colleague. <laughs> this is an exclusive. Are we not friends? It oh, depends. depends. Let's see how it goes. See <laughs> the next half an hour ago. Uh, if we can get through the next half an hour, that'd be lovely. Let's talk about some football, hopefully. Uh, what did you make of today, just overall, a kind of general perspective? I thought the three, it sounds obvious, this, but the three points was the, the biggest thing. Uh, if a home draw and throwing away a two-goal lead at Old Trafford can be seen as a as a rot that I think we kind of needed needed the three points to, to stop that rot today. I think it was yeah. important. Obviously, we're going to have a couple of weeks before we're back, back in Premier League action. So I think it was important to kind of lay down a marker and just show that, you know, even when we have got got several players missing around the edges, we've still got the ability to to dig out wins in, in difficult difficult ways. Um, I didn't think it was going to come. I thought it was going to be, be one of those days. I thought it was going to be another Sheffield United, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Um but God bless him, big big John Duran has come on and um and 
played his part in the kind of pivotal moment. Uh, and even then, I mean, Douglas Louise, how long did he take to blown his whistle? Then Douglas Louise has taken another 34 minutes to compose himself. And, you know, I'm a natural-born pessimist, but I thought, uh, I saw it clip the bar, I thought, oh, no, where's it going to go? Where's it going to go? Um, but so it was one of those ones where we probably made it more dramatic than it needed to mm. be. But we got the job done, ultimately. And, you know, I think it's it's kind of, you know, we've all been a little bit disappointed, haven't we, over Christmas, given the standards that, that our Villa team have set. Uh, yeah. Had to, you know, put a little bit of a bow back on it, I think. Mm, I think getting the job done is the is the key kind of phrase, I guess, for for me that we got kind of did what we had to do. We, you know, I'm not really that bothered that the performance wasn't the best thing ever. The, the three points was massively important given the last two games. Um, I took touch on Kamara again in a second. Me and Rob Warner did the podcast for Man United. Obviously, very you know, bitterly disappointed given the way that went, and because it's Man United, they're losing to Forest by the way as as we speak, which is yeah. Whatever, um, I would love to have beaten them. I would love love to have beat Sheffield United. You know, if we'd got one more point than we did uh, out of those games, we would be top outright now. None of this joint top nonsense. Um, let's let's actually let mention Kamara then quickly while we're here. What did you make of that when he got sent off against Brentford? I don't know about how whether you did that podcast. I can't remember, but we talked about like, the head loss of the moment, and people talked about him backing up his teammates and showing a bit of fight and whatnot. As always, of the perspective that. I'd rather he was on the pitch for us in the next few games because he's so important. Now, this is a retrospective kind of you know, what-if moment. But I think we'd have got more than one point out of Sheffield United and Man United if Kamara was playing, and we would be top now. And that's frustrating. Yeah, I wouldn't I wouldn't want to put it all on him. And I wasn't kind of... When it, when it happened, I wasn't as doom and gloom as everybody else. I thought we'd still have enough in reserve. I think, in hindsight, I do think we've missed him. And I think, as a wider point... I felt it was really interesting on um oh, what, what day was what day was Boxing Day? Was it Tuesday? Tuesday. Yeah. I thought, thought it was really interesting after United with with Unai Emery's kind of serial killer kind of beard scratching interview where he was absolutely seething behind the eyes, but still was very didn't didn't blame anything, didn't, you know, just kind of took responsibility for for the performance. And just a little bit worried, little bits of petulance in danger of creeping in. I think Cons have got booked um for dissent today. Jacob Ramsey mm. got involved in a little bit of a a little bit of a kind of fisty cuffs as well after the penalty was given. And it's was those he, things was he backing up his brother in that moment, do you think? That's what I've seen on social media this evening a little bit that obviously Alan Ramsey gave away the penalty. Yeah. And I think whoever the, the Burnley player was that Ramsey was that Jacob Ramsey was having a go at people are uh, speculating that the Burnley player was kind of having a go at Aaron Ramsey for giving away the penalty and Jack Ramsey stepped in to de- defend his little brother, weirdly. It's obviously the family element, uh, but they're playing against each other and then he's booked for that little moment. Do you think that was the case or people really... Oh, no, essentially, I didn't, I didn't see what sparked it, but that's as good a reason as, as any. But it's, Maybe. it's those little things where you get a yellow card here. Obviously, I mean, Martinez has, has picked up a, a, another yellow card for, for time-wasting and it's... In isolation, those things are fine, but if they start to... To mount up, we've seen that the the squad. You know, if we wanted them to challenge on on three fronts now in in Europe in the Premier League, and when the FA Cup starts next weekend, we haven't got that depth. So we're going to get injuries along the way if we can avoid suspensions where possible, or, or silly suspensions. You know, people will get booked, yeah. and you know, for, you know, mistiming tackles and that kind of thing. But I don't think we need those silly ones. And I think when the manager is setting such a good example of, you know, we, we've seen other managers and, and other dressing rooms who come out and whine and moan and, and are petulant and, and blame the whole world and never accept responsibility. I think Villa Villa's players owe it to their manager to make sure they're not getting involved in, in those silly moments. Yeah, I totally agree. Um, I just want to give a, a shout out is not the right word, but a shout out to the month that we've just got through as Aston Villa. That was a little bit, I mean, actually very negative in the the YouTube and Facebook comments on Boxing Day after Man United. And I think some of that was heightened by the fact of it was against Man United and people dislike Man United and we were winning and threw it away and whatnot. But there was a lot of like, 
embarrassing, shambolic, like really emotive, strong words for what was one 90-minute performance over the course of a season that's been brilliant, let's face it. Uh, from Tom Nightingale on Twitter, who, who shared this before, uh, Villa have played 10 games in the last 45, uh, 35 days Sorry, with injuries and suspensions building. It's 17 points from 24 in the league, four points from six in Europe in that run, and just one defeat in 10. And at the end of it, we're top of our European group and temporarily joint top second in the Premier League. So as much as that Man United blip happened and Sheffield United happened and that felt like, as you said before, a mini rut, as mad as that is, it's one defeat in 10 in a really, really busy part of the season. It's FA Cup next weekend, which there will be rotation, whether you like it or not. I think it's something like 14 or 15 days that sits till our next Premier League game. Uh, Everton, I think, like three games in January or something silly because uh, of that little, little week break, isn't there, as well? So... We've kind of got through that really difficult part of the season. And yes, dropping points to Sheffield United at home is not good. Dropping points when you tune it up against Man United is not good. But we're still unbeaten at home now, aren't we? Is it 17 games now with, uh, with, the, with the win today? And overall, we've done very, very well, haven't we? So it's, it's a difficult one, isn't it? Because with this, the, the standards are so high that they've almost kind of you know Unai and the, the team are almost kind of victims of their own success now because we we're holding them to a to a higher standard and sometimes it needs us to step back and to look at stuff in the bigger picture way i mean that, that those stats that you just read out we all know it but in a moment where a player makes a bad decision or gives a ball away or we can see the goal mm. We're like we're not used to this, you know. We conceded straight after we scored today, and we we thought we'd yeah. kind of eradicated that because Emery's so big on control and being in control in in those kind of big moments. And so, yeah, I, I think I think the the interesting thing that I found today, um, and it, I think it's been fairly good through most of the season actually, is that when there have been difficult moments, Villa Park found another level, another voice, mm. and whereas before you could probably you know, I don't think don't think any fans would have done it deliberately, but you could you could sense that almost kind of claustrophobic atmosphere when things have gone wrong under previous regimes. I think we've got so much trust in this one, and it's happened so quickly and so spectacularly that we know we've got to do our bit. So you know, I think when they mm. scored the second equaliser today, there was another kind of loud roar from the whole end of the stiff to say, "Come on, we've got to do our bit to get us over the line again." And I think that's almost like a kind of metaphor for, for, for where we are at the moment. There's going to yeah, be yeah. These, these wrinkles, bumps in the road, whatever you call them. But as long as we don't all kind of lose our heads during them, then, you mm. know, we've got we've got a, a manager and a, and a squad who are capable of kind of rolling with it, really, and, and getting us through the other side of it in good shape. Yeah, and whilst we're still in a title race or the, the, the quest for Champions League qualification or whatever the target is for this season... At this time of year particularly, you see strange results, don't you? You see teams losing points when you think they should be winning. The whole meltdown we had on Boxing Day when we lost to Man United, two days later, Brighton beat Spurs and West Ham beat Arsenal on the same night. And sides around us dropped points as well. Newcastle lost to Forest, was it? And then Luton as well. So as much as we talk about where we are, the, the points gap we've got to those behind us is still is still good, given results that have, have gone for us as well. So... Um, whilst it's probably easy to be a little bit doom and gloom when you have a result go against you, and we obviously we had two back to back with Sheffield and, and Man United, Sheffield United and Man United. Um, if you bounce back and, and beat Burnley as we have done, and we probably almost didn't get there in the end, and as we said, the performance wasn't great, and, and maybe more maybe more people will delve into that and look at what went wrong and what went right. For me, though, it was all just about that three points, winning again at home getting the three points, going joint top, going second uh, and getting to 42 points. And like Emery said, the target now is to get to 45. We have Everton next, we go and get 45 points. And that's that's all we have to do now. Keep chipping away, keep winning games. And um, you know, the worst case scenario is, is you match the results of the teams around you and you're not going to drop out of the top four. Yeah, but every club's going to have if if only moments, aren't they? Where we should have won that one and we expected to win that one. Yeah, the thing yeah. is with the Aston team is they've won lots of matches that we didn't expect them to win. So, mm-hmm. you know, if we drop... It, it felt... It, it's weird, you know. It felt worse the not beating Sheffield United and then throwing away a two-goal lead to lose at Man United. Because we're so unused to that feeling, we're used to kind of winning most weeks or every other week, that it felt... I had to go back to kind of, you know, not quite to the Gerard time because it was nothing like that in terms of the, you know, the 
the football that we played or whatever. But it was like, Christ, I forgot what this is. I forgot this was a feeling that's associated with Aston Villa. I thought Aston Villa was all about euphoria. I didn't know, I forgot that there was a pain involved. So I don't think that's a bad one. Is this like when you won a couple of? I say you as if you were involved. When we won a couple of, I say we is like we were involved. But Aston Villa won two trophies in the nineties, and you kind of thought, well, we will win trophies every every couple of seasons then. And then you were hit with harsh reality of the the two thousands. Well, yes, so I've had harsh reality of about twenty five years dealing with that, and then I've had harsh reality <laughs> of about forty eight hours. Um, yeah, so well, quickly you get used to winning, isn't it? Yeah, I mean it's it's nice, isn't it? And you can you but you can see like fan bases that how that sense of entitlement creeps upon them mm. really quickly yeah, yeah. and then how how dare opponents try and beat us and how dare referee decisions go against us and that kind of thing so uh we need to keep it real Dan that's our job here yeah <laughs> we'll do our best uh, there's a comment here just as you mentioned like other fan bases uh from King81 is can you discuss how rattled the traditional big six club fan bases are with others right now? They're all over social media, like big babies, constantly crying about how rubbish Little Villa are. I absolutely love it. And I'm inclined to agree, I quite like it as well. Like when we're dropping points and you've got Arsenal fans talking about typical Unai Emery and all this kind of stuff. It's like, come on. Like he'll be found out eventually. They'll, they'll, they'll drop off at some point. We've seen no evidence of that at Aston Villa so far. So we've got every right to be getting kind of carried away with, with what we've seen. Um, but other clubs' fan bases are looking at Villa of like, oh, Villa have lost. That's a good thing. Like Man City fans like expecting us to to win, and when we drop points, they're they're happy with that. These these clubs have not been bothered about Aston Villa for years and years, and it's nice to be on the other end of that. That we're being looked at our results to see how it affects them, rather than you know someone like Burnley or Sheffield United going, oh, Villa have lost. That's a good thing for us to stay in the league. Uh, it's now the big boys that are looking at us and going, oh, we want Villa to lose at some point because they're they're a threat. Well, it makes a change, doesn't it? You know, it wasn't that long ago we were having kind of petty spats with <laughs> Rotherham fans or, or yeah, exactly, yeah, Derby fans or whatever. So, if the if the so called um, elite are, are, are a little bit rattled because we got under their skin, then yeah, that that to me, that's not what it's all about. It's all about Aston Villa and enjoying Aston Villa. But that's a kind of mm. an amusing byproduct of it all. If if everybody else is getting the getting the, the knickers in a twist. So underutilised phrase, isn't it? Certainly on a football <laughs> podcast, getting the knickers in a twist. Um, let's talk about some match-specific moments then from today. Let's talk about Ollie Watkins a little bit. Again, I've seen some criticism of him for for not scoring goals. Uh, he's got eight assists now in the Premier League, which is the, the most. I don't know whether it's the joint most or whether it's the most outright. Uh, I think he's got nine goals as well, maybe eight goals. So he's providing and scoring. And if he doesn't score, he tends to provide. And if it's not the assist, he's involved in in the build-up play. Uh, but two assists for him outright today, involved in everything. Uh, just talk to me a little bit about him and, and the kind of all-round game that he's got now. Yeah, I want him kind of wrapped up in cotton wool, I think, because I think he's one of one of the players that, you know, I don't want to jinx it or tempt fate, but I don't think we can cope without him at the moment. You know, mm. obviously, John Duran comes on and runs around enthusiastically. Um, but, you know, he's not not at the stage of his development where he can do the role that, that, that Ollie Watkins does. Uh, no, not many players can, though, to be fair. No, and it is, you know, and I think we owe a lot of, a lot of credit to... To Dean Smith and for for making sure that he he went went back and and signed him and, and recognised that there's a Premier League player in there, and then we owe, owe a kind of debt of credit to to Unai Emery for for almost kind of rough you know smoothing off some of the rough edges and and making sure that his contributions were resulting like you say in assists or goals and making sure he's doing a lot of his work in the right areas of the pitch. Um, but I think. You know, I, I was one of those ones. I think he, he had a header towards goal that he he didn't keep down um, in the second half, and you're thinking, oh come on, you've got to you've got to be better with that. And then, me conveniently forgetting that he he has created the, you know the the two goals that we'd scored scored up to that point. And I think it. I think the good thing about Watkins is that I still I still think there's improvement. I think he. Mm-hmm. I think he learns. I think he listens. I think he tries to absorb information that's given to him. And if we've got you know one of the best in the business who's giving him that information, I think he yeah. can get even better. I do worry. I say better, better. I think he can get even better. Sorry, my my um my pronunciation wasn't great then. Um, what was I going to say? I do worry about burnout for him. To mm-hmm. be honest, I think I think we we ask an awful lot of him. Um, 
I'm sure as the, the, the podcast and the weeks will go by, I'm sure we'll be doing more talk about what Villa should do in January and, you know, yeah. what positions we need to strengthen and, and who are potential options that we can get. I do think we need we need another striker. Um, but Emery said how, we don't, didn't he, I think? Say it again. Em, Emery said yesterday that we didn't, did he? Or that, you know, who is in that it? In case, name I don't names, think we need there? another striker. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just worried about the, the kind of burden on him. And I think if anything does happen to him, I think if we've got somebody else in reserve uh, alongside uh, alongside John Duran, then it stops an injury or suspension to, to Ollie Watkins becoming catastrophic. Uh, mm. I think it's, it's the opportunity to to bring bring some more cover in than, than I'd do it. Um but we'll see, like I said, if Emery if Emery thinks not, then we'll 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 trust trust Emery. Yeah, I'd suspect Bailey and Diaby would play up front if it was just a short-term thing, like a one-game suspension, and you'd hope that that would come against somebody who you might, you know, get away get away with it a little bit, somebody you know, lesser quality, effectively. Um, the history tells us that he doesn't get many injuries, and he's very fit, and he's not missed many games through injury in his entire career. And obviously, we'd hope that stays the way in terms of like the general muscle fatigue injuries or anything like that, or getting a knock and, and running it off and hopefully being okay. But any player can get a freak injury from a, from a tackle or a twist a knee running on a certain type of pitch or whatever. And it's those kind of things that you can't account for. But I suppose the, the other side of the argument is how would you do that for any players? You know, Douglas Louise missing for a long period of time for a, a freak injury would be terrible. Emmy Martinez, as we concert, you can't stockpile. 25 top quality players because then you end up with a situation where with your main 11 of fit you've got 11 12 players to fit in of equal quality that aren't going to be happy to be the backup the backup squad so it's finding a, 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 a real balance isn't it between top quality performers but also when you sign those players who is out there at the moment who's better than the players we've already got who will be available in january but not many and if it is how much are we going to have to pay for that in this market so I think if you can get some smart business done by, by a loan signing maybe somebody Emery's worked with before or something like that I think that would make sense um, or kind of Moreno signing of last year somebody who you know most of us won't be aware of or won't have seen play very much but Emery knows can do a certain job in a certain role um, that's the kind of sign I think we'll see like people asking for a big kind of not this player obviously but like a Tammy Abraham kind of 50 million striker that's not going to happen. Certainly not in January, in my opinion, at least. Um, let's talk about Diaby. Very. It's one of those ones where the size of the prize, isn't it? If we thought that that the one piece that you saw ever was the difference between us finishing the Champions League places and not, and yeah, although yeah. that become a year ahead of schedule, you know, I think pretty much what Emery wants, Emery gets, um, mm. and with some justification. So. If he's saying I don't need a striker, then obviously that's not going to be, you know, unless he's just playing us, playing us all and behind the back, he's, he's asking for a striker. But I think if it comes to, you know, whatever stage in January and as a committee, if you like, or Emery and his team and the board around him, if they think that those couple of additions can be the difference between us really, like I say, being ahead of schedule and, and getting into that top four, I think they'll do it. Um whether you know whether they can find find the players that that would enable them to do that, I don't know. Um, but yeah, I think the question was about Ollie Watkins. I think he's I think he's brilliant. I think, um, like you said, the numbers speak for themselves, don't they? Mm. Let's talk about Diaby quickly. Nathan Parker says Diaby could or should have had four goals today, and a lot of players putting on well over the bar. Like we're playing a different sport at some stage, uh, some stage, and you thought this is going to be one of those ones where Villa don't take their chances and drop points. And obviously, thank God that didn't happen, uh, thanks to a very cool, calm, collected uh, penalty from Louise at the end. But DRB gets his goal. Uh, it's been a long time coming, it feels like. But again, probably should have done more, should have done this, should have done that. Um, what do you make of him? Overall, I think I've probably asked you this before, but he kind of burst, burst onto the scene. We signed him and looked very good from the off. Then had a bit of a quiet period, um, but he still is in, involved to a to a degree. Um, how do you assess him? Um, I like him. I must admit, I like him. I think I get excited when he's on the ball. I think I think he's finishing. He, he seemed to be trying to stick everything in the top corner today, other than the one that he scored, which was kind of 
tucked away into the into the bottom corner. Um, it's funny, isn't it? Because he's actually probably had more of an impact on the team by 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 sparking Leon Bailey into life um, than anything he's done himself. So certainly since the opening da- opening fixtures of the season, where he he, he yeah. really really arrived on the scene, like you say, like a real live wire. You know, it's one of those ones where I was speaking to a fellow next to me at half time saying, I'm not quite sure, you know, about having Diaby and Bailey in the same team. And he said, Well, Matt, they're both scored. So they're not doing, <laughs> you know, <laughs> it's not working too badly at the moment. Um, I don't know. But what, what do you think about him? Was your question loaded that you think he's kind of under, underachieving a little bit? Or? No, I don't think so. I'm with you. I agree with everything you've said. I think he's underachieving in the sense that Watkins and Bailey are playing better than him or have got better output than him. Um, but it's, it's his first season with us, isn't it? I think people are probably projecting him to have a similar impact that Bailey's had, that he has a, an okay first year and we want more from him next season. I think that would be absolutely fair. And whilst Villa are second in the Premier League and doing what they're doing, you can't, you can't dig him out and saying he's not good enough or he needs replacing or anything anything silly like that. It, you know, these things take time to bed in and there's obviously a very talented player in there. But I suppose if the goals are coming from elsewhere, we can kind of get away with Musa Diaby having a quiet game here and there. It's if we were fully dependent on him in the case of an Ollie Watkins injury, for example, like I mentioned before, maybe then you would worry a little bit that has he got the, like the finishing ability to score goals consistently week in, week out. But again, maybe if he was the main man, he would... Uh, burden that responsibility well it's I just think it'll take time for us to see the best of Moussa Diabe and, and he will be you know he will get that time won't he? we're not going to be shipping him out in the summer because he, he didn't have a great season this year or anything like that yeah I think um, I don't think this team and this squad carries players either I think you're in that no, team no. you're in around it because you you contribute to the team and I think there was a moment today must have been in the first half I think where he's kind of tracked back and been quite physical and won the ball back on halfway line and then sparked us off, got the crowd going, sparked us mm. off and been on the front foot. And I can't remember whether the move fizzled out or whatever, but I get the sense that, like I said, he still grafts, he still noticed him. He still wants the ball. Uh, somebody saying in the comments that I think he, um, that he, he, he saying that they thought he linked well with Bailey today. I, I can't, you know, I can't dispute that. I, I actually wondered if, when they went down to 10, whether we try and separate them a little bit more and try and kind of go at them from 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 either flank. Um, yeah. but kind of em- Emery knows best. And nice things to have, aren't they? And I don't want to get into the habit of, of, of digging out too many of the kind of teams, perhaps the Dean Smith teams that have, have kept us in the Premier League um, by the skin of our teeth. But we've got Leon Bailey and, and Moussa Diaby now. And I think they're obviously an upgrade on... Trezeguet, on Traore, <laughs> um, on El Ghazi. Um, although, having said that, El Ghazi's numbers used to be pretty decent, didn't they? For, mm, for yeah, a team struggling down the bottom of the, the table. Yeah, yeah. Good on penalties as well. As you were talking then, I was listening, but I just quickly watched uh, the highlights on the Sky Sports YouTube channel again. I know we've already talked about Watkins, but he did very well for those assists as well. Like, it's not just like, you know, if you've not seen a game and you got two assists, you think, oh, he's just, you know, it's a simple pass kind of thing. He's worked hard for, for both of them. Uh, the first one is, uh, I thought we went long a little bit more than, than we usually do. And again, obviously, there was a, there was a reason for that. Diab- uh, Diaby. Watkins goes down that left channel and does very well to get back onto his right foot, bursts into the box and puts the ball over for, for Bailey, which is a really nice finish as well. It's a really kind of nice goal. But the second one, he kind of curves his curves his run to stay on side. And I think they did check it as well. And it was tight, I think, um, from the looks of the the. Uh, the replay, but he does very well to to work hard down the right hand side, then and cut in on on the other side and play it across to Diaby. So, you know, this isn't just Ollie Watkins getting assists because he's in the box and it's bouncing off him, and he's just playing a, a two yard pass to somebody and they're scoring. He's r- working really hard and and has got the quality to to find a man as well. So, I know we've just spoken about him, but they probably go under the radar a little bit. There's um, he's done really well for both of those assists. He's really had to earn them. Yeah, um, like I said, I think, and I think this is where the Watkins playing with better players and being coached by Unai Emery every every day. I think, you know, there's been times, hasn't there, where you've thought, well, you know, there's been intricate play around him, and then either he's miscontrolled it or he hasn't picked the right mm-hmm. pass. And that's still happen. That still happens with with all players. But I get little signs that things are clicking. His role as a, you know, we know he's become a more of a goal scorer, if you like. We know he's become 
doing doing more of his work in the centre of the pitch, you know, in the centre third of the pitch, if you like. Um, but I think he's actually evolving as a as a link man now mm. as well. I think people are trusting him with the ball more. I think he's he seems to be better. I'll tempt fate now. The ball will bounce off him next time he plays. But I think he, I think he's been. I think he's just becoming a better all round player. Dan, to be honest, yeah, um, agreed. He's coming into his prime now, isn't he? This is birthday today, isn't it? As well, by the way. So Ollie, if you're watching, many happy returns. Oh, yeah. I don't know. I want to say 29 off the top of my head, but I feel like it might be might be 28. Uh, he's 28. He's born the same year as me, 30th of December '95. So yeah, he's 28. He's 28 and a half. He's 29. Is he? <laughs> he's 28 till he's 29. Um, yeah, I think that's that's enough for um, Burnley specifically. Obviously, there's talking much with a penalty. Was it soft or not? Yeah, probably. But you know, we're on the benefit of a soft decision for a change. If I think if that was given against us, I probably would be um, upset with how soft it is. But the law is the law, and, and that's what it is. Um, Forrester winning 2-1 now, by the way, for people who are watching along uh, with us. Uh, they went uh, Man United equalised, and Forrest scored again on the 82nd minute. Now, I think it's into 10 minutes of injury time, someone says there in the comments, whether that's true or not. Uh, if they can hold on, that's obviously great for Villa. Uh, it's and that gap up the Man United Forest game, isn't it? If you come into our podcast, just for updates <laughs> from there. <laughs> Uh, that would put Villa, obviously Villa in second, 42 points. Man United on 31, 11-point gap on them. Should be more, shouldn't it, with, with Boxing Day? Um, but you know, if, if the gap is to seventh place, which is uh, Europa Conference League qualification again, which you know, if Villa, if Villa finish seventh, I'll be massively disappointed. It's an 11-point swing now for Villa to drop out of European competition for next year, so that, that's a positive. Just very quickly on that, actually, while we're there, um, this is probably a whole debate in, in itself, to be honest. With where Villa are at at the moment, and John always says, and he said a lot, and the next time he gets on the podcast, I'll be asking him this. Ask me about the league table after Villa have played everybody. Played everybody once. Ask me after 19 games. It's obviously 20 now. Um, ask me then what I think of things, because you've played everyone once then. You've, you've got half the, the, the season out of the way. You've got through a busy December. Ask me then. Villa are second with 42 points, right? The target now has to be European qualification, the Champions League qualification. I said weeks ago that Villa must do it for a YouTube title and that was a little bit just a, what the algorithm works with, but I did kind of feel like they have to do it because of the revenue they get. Right, yada, 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 yada. We've, we've, not clickbait, uh, I actually said it. Uh, we made that argument that they kind of have to do it. They're in as good a position as they will ever be to get into the Champions League for next season. And if that's ahead of schedule or whatever, so be it. You know, it's it's massive for us. If I told you now that Villa finished sixth or even fifth, let's say fifth doesn't get um, the top, you know, the Champions League, if Villa finished outside of the top four and got Europa League next year, would you take that? Or would that be a disappointment, given where we are now? Are we talking about their league position in isolation? Not forgetting FA Cup, forgetting Conference League. We're talking about forget, the league position in isolation. League. If they've won the FA Cup and won the Conference League and got into Europe that way or whatever, they finish sixth or fifth and get into the Europa League. Is that good or not? Is that disappointing or not? I think it, I think there can be both. I think it can be good and disappointing. At the same time, you know what I mean. I think I think anything less than top four would feel like a massive anticlimax. Now, um, mm. you know, we felt like an anticlimax because we weren't top of the table by Christmas. Um, so <laughs> us missing out on missing out on the top four would feel like a, a massive kind of punch in the gut. Um, but that's not to say it will be a failure if we don't do that because it's hard, isn't it? I think we've been punching above our weight to get to forty. What are we on forty two points from 20 games. I don't think we'll get 38 points from our next whatever kind of 18 games or whatever. But we might not what? quite need to. I just don't, I just don't know whether we will. Okay. I don't think I don't think we're going to drop off. I, I, I would be disappointed if we didn't finish in the top four now just because of where we are at this stage. Obviously, if you know, it goes without saying, if we're looking back on this at the end of the season, Ollie Watkins is injured for, for six months, something stupid, then yeah, obviously you take that into account. But wherever they are now, to not finish inside the top four, I mean, even the gap to fifth place Spurs is now six points. I know they've got a game in hand, but even so, like where we are, you know, you've still got five points on the board. 
obviously Europa League would be a sign of progress because we're currently in the Europa, Europa Conference League and it's it's one up from that. You know, obviously Villa could win that trophy this year and get into the Europa League via that route anyway and technically finish eighth and be out of European competition but in the Europa League because they've won that trophy. I get all that and that is, that is progress. But we've got as far as we've got with missing several players. We will talk about Mings and Brendier at the start, but Pau Torres over the last few weeks has been a massive loss. He's so important to the way that we build up. Kamara in the, the last three is a massive loss. Um, who are the others that we missed? Tielemans has been out for, for a little bit as well. Uh, Moreno has obviously been out for a long time. Ramsey is only just coming back and playing the last what three or four fixtures or, what, or whatever it is. So we're here now with this amount of points with those injury lists. And that, people don't really tend to talk about that. The wider national media and whatnot. We hear a lot about Spurs' injury list and Newcastle's injury list. Villas is, is comparable to that. So we're only going to get better, I think. I don't see this drop-off of Villa having... I know you mentioned burnout and there is there is a bit of that, but I don't see Villa dropping off to the degree of finishing outside of the top four even, oh, certainly I not outside of the top either. six. But I think, I think they can still drop off and finish in the top four. Because yeah, because yeah, I don't think the drop off is that drastic. We might lose a two or three yeah, that, games well, out of five. I, mean. I think we're going to struggle if we're averaging. So, what is it? What, 42 points from 20 games? What's that? 22 <laughs> point, whatever, yeah. whatever it is. I think we could still fall <laughs> away a little bit and still get the top four. I think Good if we're fair. expecting us to main, if we if we maintain the form that we've been in for the first half of the season, then we're actually serious title challengers. Yeah, yeah, because you're talking 84 points. That's, I'm more yeah, dubious about that happening than I am about us having the momentum and the quality and yeah. the energy to stay in the top four. I think they're two different, slightly different conversations, to be honest. And yeah, I'm probably hedging my bets a little bit because if I get too excited that way, you know what I mean? I, I'd, I'd be yeah. gutted now if we, if we do drop out the, the, the top four, but I still don't think, I suppose it would be a failure, wouldn't it? I suppose if you have, if you have given yourself that that strong position, and you don't live up to it. I suppose it, it would be a failure, but it just seems so harsh to even think about branding it that when none of us yeah, would have yeah. been like this. I think if you just said in the summer you'll finish sixth and get your Europa League, we'd all go, yeah, fantastic. That's a season of progress. You've finished higher than the season before. You're in the next rung of competition in Europe of the season that you're in now. That's progress. But when you're second come the turn of the year, to not finish in the Champions League places would feel really disappointing, obviously given the, the various points of context we've just given. Um, you know, if you finished fifth and got into the Europa League, but also won the FA Cup and won the Conference League, of course, that's not a disappointing season, but the league form specifically, where we are now, to not finish in the top four, to not finish, I mean, to not finish in the top three even, would is a, is a sign of, of some drop-off. Now, you're right with the drop-off we've talked about. We we don't have to do what we've done in the first half of the season, in the second half of the season, to finish in the top four. I don't I don't think we will do the same again because you are talking then about 84 points and, and being what what's going to win the league this year? 87, 88 maybe? I don't think it's going to take 90 points. So if you're talking about Villa finishing five or six points off winning the title, I don't think we will do that again in the second half of the season because of the further you go into the year, the more likely you are going to get worse results and we're going to be get back into the conference league and that will affect us and, and whatever else. Well, 68, just, look, 68 points, Dan would have got you fourth last season. Exactly. Um, so I, I, I'm thinking my, my kind of points total, if you like, in terms of a drop off would be that if we do the same again, we 84, I think we'll finish on about 76. So that puts us as being like the second half of the season being worse than the first half, but more than enough to finish in the top four. And probably been with a shout of top three. Yeah, nice, um, <laughs> <laughs> nice problems to have. Oh, we've come. Eh? I wonder what we were saying this time last year at the back end of 2022, and we'd just come back, haven't we, after the World Cup? We'd played Liverpool Boxing Day. I don't know who we would have played, like the equivalent fixture of Burnley, but this time last year, we weren't going to be talking about top half even maybe never mind top six top four top two um so the, the progress we made in one yeah, year about five games. yeah he probably only managed about five or six games hadn't he before that um probably less than that to be fair in the league he had man united and maybe one other then liverpool boxing down and this fixture whoever it was this time last year um do we play spurs new year's day or something like that and do beat them away 
I'm not sure. But anyway, yeah, we're very early into the Unai Emery era and nobody could have uh, foreseen what we've seen this year. Uh, along, you know, we hope that 2024 is even better. So John tweeted earlier that uh, Villa have won 32 games in all competitions in the calendar year, which is a record. Villa have never done that before. And again, we've said that, you know, how many... Um, how many good sides Villa have had over the course of their entire history? To not win thirty-two calendar, thirty-two games in a calendar year is, is some going, really. You'd think that the, one of the teams we've had in that time must have done that. Um, so yeah, another record for for an Emery, another positive record. Remember when we were talk, talking about the days of like managers setting negative records? You know, I'm going back years before we even did the podcast. Like, oh, we've been without however many games without defeat, so many minutes without scoring, all these different horrible statistics. And I Emery only sets good records. Different world, different world. I'm not, I'm not even sure I can remember a world before he managed us. To be honest, it doesn't doesn't bear thinking about. Um, just to end then, as it's the 30th of December as we film this, this is our last podcast of 2023. As you mentioned earlier about like looking ahead to January in the transfer window, uh, I think most people return to work on the 2nd of January. We're doing a podcast this week about January targets and all those kind of things. People love transfers, don't they? Um, if you've got to set New Year's resolutions. And maybe we'll look back on this next year. Do you do New Year's resolutions, by the way? Is that a thing that you do? Maybe Not for a week really. or two and then drop off. That I've got no willpower. I just there's no point really. <laughs> okay. Well, I was going to ask you to set a New Year's resolution for Villa, one for yourself, like a personal goal for the year, and one for the podcast as well. So I did message you about this earlier, but I don't know whether you've actually given it any thought. Um, so let's do the one for Villa first, and we'll open this up to the comments as well. You've got to set a New Year's resolution to Aston Villa. What are you going to tell them to do? Oh, Christ. Um, you did that. You did that. I think, I think we've done this before, and either last year or the year before, mine was to start playing over the course of 90 minutes because we had periods, I don't know whether it was under Dean Smith or Gerard, where we looked good for half a game, we looked good for 60 minutes, then threw it away or whatever. So I wanted Villa to compete over the course of 90 minutes. We've certainly seen that uh, in some games, at least under Emery, maybe not all of them. Um, but we yeah, have Villa being consistently better over the course of an entire game rather than only being good for one half. So Villa achieved my um, New Year's resolution rather than last year or the year before. Uh, the comment says, win a trophy. Literally anything, just a trophy. New Year's resolution. Yeah, I'll go with that one. I think probably repeating <laughs> what I said earlier, just trying to limit the, the 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 silly bookings and suspensions, really. I think it's, I think it's so yeah. key that we have everybody available um, I do worry if you scratch beneath the surface of, of that squad um, too deep that what we've achieved so far could start to unravel. So I don't want us to shoot ourselves in the foot by doing doing anything silly, which is probably quite a negative thing to say when Villa was doing so so many good things that I'm saying, well, cut out the silliness. Um, <laughs> but yeah, just making sure that we've got our best players available on the pitch as much as possible. Because I think if that is the case, I think what we've said about top four, I think it definitely can be a reality. I think the danger of a fall away is if we, we're having to rely on understudies more often than we need to. Mm. Uh, mine is, and I'm just Googling it to see if I can check out the actual date. Um, oh, I don't know if I'm going to be able to find it. Is it 4th of March? I'm looking for the last time Villa lost at home, which was Crystal Palace, wasn't it? 1-0 was the, the start of that unbeaten run. I've got that as the 4th of March, 2023. So my New Year's resolution is slightly more shorter than towards the end of the season. I want Villa to be unbeaten at home for an entire 12 months. So obviously we can't do the winning run now because Sheffield United, but we've bounced back with a win today. So to do that, to get to March the 4th, uh, we play Tottenham on March the 9th. So we'll need to be unbeaten for Newcastle, Man United and Nottingham Forest to be unbeaten at home for an entire 12 months. So that's my New Year's resolution for Villa. Be unbeaten for 12 months, which is some going, uh, three more games for them to do that, which seems doable, I think, looking at those fixtures. Yeah, you'd hope so. I mean, I think you're selling yourself short there. I think, why don't you just say it for the next 10 years? <laughs> I don't want to be too have, have, a new year's, have a resolution that lasts. Don't give up so easily. <laughs> yeah. yeah, my New Year's resolution goes till March, which is probably most uh, longer than most people goes. Uh, Kelvin says, change the halftime entertainment. Uh, Sam Stokes says, don't panic after a loss. Uh, Simon says, winning a trophy would cement Unai. Uh, that's all his message says, but I imagine as a legend or something. Uh, David Starr says, and this is your personal one, Matt, Matt needs to phone David Platt. 
Is that what you're picking for your uh, personal resolution? Stephen Brown said Matt needs to ride that unicycle. I think. I think the thing. Yeah. My, my um, one of my resolutions <laughs> needs to be don't make stupid promises that you can't keep. Um, <laughs> what about um, riding the unicycle and phoning David Platt at the same time for this year's? Uh, it ain't going to happen, is it? You know, I've got more chance of um, losing five stone and go to the gym every day, which won't happen either. I'll tell you, tell you one that's. Um, a New Year's resolution that, that's quite quite pressing at the moment. Don't rub my eyes after eating wasabi peas. Oh, have you done that recently by any chance? Yeah, I had an incident. I had an incident with that a couple of days ago. Yeah, and it was, uh, yeah, it wasn't it wasn't particularly pleasant. So I'm gonna. That's one I will stick to. I promise. <laughs> have you picked anything for a personal one, or is that what you're gonna go with? <sighs> I've, I've, I've done no prep, mate. Um, Unbelievable. I do, morning, I do genuinely need to about 10 a.m. or something. Yeah, I know. I do need to shed a bit of timber because I was struggling to tie my laces yeah, this morning. So, so uh, I've overindulged quite a lot. Yeah, I, I, that would be the one I'd pick. I need to lose some weight at some point. Bailey's lovely. Uh, yeah, it's been, a, it's been a good Christmas, let's just say that. And uh, I need to get back on it in the new year. And I look back at some old episodes, my face was slightly less puffy and round than it is now. So uh, if I could lose a, a stone or so, that would make a huge difference, never mind the, the rest of it. Uh, so my personal one would be losing some kind of weight. Maybe go running again. I did the marathon this year. I couldn't do the marathon now. I need to get back in some kind of a half marathon, to be fair. I need to get back in some kind of shape for that. Um, uh, New Year's resolution for the podcast, very quickly. Like plans for the for 2024 for us? Do you think of anything for that, or did you just bin that off as well? I didn't know that was one of the ones, but I think we just need to try and get a, a good, strong connection, don't we? Um, that's <laughs> what in terms mean? of Wi-Fi, not, not in terms of our rapport. Uh, that couldn't be any stronger, could it, colleague? Um, I just... Um, <laughs> I don't know, mate. Like I said, I, I keep saying this, and I don't live up to it. Don't I? I keep saying we need to get more more guests on and stuff. And I think you—I can't remember which player it was. Don't say it, but I think you texted me somebody, didn't you? Oh, you texted me a, a number for a player mm. a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. So I've got to try and get hold of him as well. Um, yeah. I'm just full of it, though. Mate. I'm full of hollow promises, so I don't want to. Uh, I don't want to let people down more than I already do. Sarko says New Year's resolution is to turn up on time. We were one minute late today. I am always wary of like setting a time for the show. Like on YouTube, you can put the time, but you have to pick a time. So I put 18.45. I think we came on at 18.46. So there's really very little we can do there, to be honest. Much like darker. 10 minutes late. I know, yeah, unbelievable. Um, my New Year's resolution for the podcast, like you, yes, get more guests on if we can. Uh, uh, it's very easy to say, and it's very easy for people to ask us to do that. As Kelvin has literally said, more expire interviews. It's so hard to organise because you're asking them to do it out of the goodness of their hearts and Christmas cheer, and that doesn't really fly in April. Um, it's very difficult to tie people down to specific times, whether it's online or in person. So, yes, we'd love to do more, but, um, yeah, some of that is out of our hands to a certain degree, although when you've literally got people's phone numbers and you're not even ringing them, that is in your hands. So you, you can do a bit about that. Um, mine is... And I don't know how to phrase this really without saying like a massive weirdo. I want to make some kind of like feature video for for the podcast, some kind of like you know like forty five minute documentary style kind of project thing that I work on for um, a long time and put real actual hard work into and go and film it in, in out in the wild and go and speak to different people and and put something together. Um, so. I'm giving myself a whole year to do that, basically, is why I'm setting it as a New Year's resolution. I don't want to be like, oh, yeah, I'll do it in January. Uh, but I don't know what on. If you've got suggestions, by the way, if you want to look us to want us to look into certain Villa history or um, certain players' um, career paths and, and their kind of things, um, I'm open to suggestions, but I would love to make some kind of like documentary feature kind of show, if possible. That'd be mine. Let's put a planning meeting in for that then for December. We can... Uh... <laughs> Throw it all together in the last month. No, I think we can do them. I think we can do them. We'll make some. We'll make a real effort this year to make the podcast bigger and better, if possible. Uh, we'll call it a night there, Matt. If you've got uh, nothing else to add, no. Just what's your section? About he's he's wheeled himself away. No, you flick. You, what was your section when you flick through something? Here's something that I want to talk about, but I don't want to talk about kind of thing. Yeah, here's something I saw this week and wanted to share. Oh, what's this? I'm going to put you full screen for this, so you can show us in uh, all your glory. I just found go. it in the loft the other week. It's um, the official merchandise catalogue, ninety four ninety five. Just trying to f- find out what. Uh, oh, is this like um, like merch, like what the kits and stuff yeah, were? Yeah, 
There's some of the leisure wear. Oh, yeah. Even Jim oh, Walker's rocking pictures. a Matic's top there. And Jim yeah, Barron, nice. the oldest manager with a decent tracky top down the bottom. Um, Tell you what, if you could find any of them on eBay now, like the, the actual ones from the from that time, they'd be worth a pretty penny, let me tell you. If anyone's got one of them up the loft. Could you not have found yeah, some of this merchandise in the loft? Say again. Say again. Look at him in his waistcoat. Who's that? I don't know. Just some random, but yeah. it's a fantastic piece of gear, isn't it? How I won't, I won't get through all this. It just fascinated me. Let me just see if there's anything else. Oh, there's some quality uh, in here, Dan. Chat amongst yourselves while we're doing this. Oh, yeah. Christ. What year was this, you say? This is 94, 95. I'd love somebody, I doubt it will happen, but I'd love somebody who's now a grown-up saying, I'm modeled for that. Yeah. I was, you know... I'll tell you what, I was that. just about to say that, but depending on the year, the kids that you just showed on that picture then would be like my age now. So if anyone is out there watching the podcast and you did some modelling for the Villa catalogue back in the 90s, do get in touch. We'd love to hear from you. All right, we're going to call it there, Max. I can I can hear people listening to this going, what are they talking about? Max flicking through a basically yeah, the Argos catalogue, which is full of uh, Villa merch. Look at that bike helmet there with the shades on. That's what you oh, need, yeah, man. you, could wear, you could wear that when you're doing the unicycle. Yeah, that might happen, hasn't it? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Maybe in 2024, anyway, we'll see. I'm done. Yeah, nice. yeah, I'm done. I'm done for the year. I've uh, got tomorrow off and New Year's Day, obviously. So our next podcast is likely to be Tuesday or Wednesday of this week. Uh, we will probably do some kind of preview show for the FA Cup, whether it's a, a short one or I don't know if there's a press conference for it with, with John or, or, or and um, obviously you know Emery. I'm unsure. Um, but we will do an episode this week where we look at like we said before, January signings and, and kind of reviewing the year. Just a quick plug for some other content before we go. We have done our 2023 review. Uh, me, you, Rob Warner and John Townley did it, uh, what, 10 days ago or so, just before Christmas. Obviously, that is still relevant now if you missed it over the Christmas break. Uh, we spoke about the entirety of 2023, player of the year, goal of the year, those kind of things. And released on Christmas Eve was our Christmas special, which is still, again, relevant. It's not just something you can watch at Christmas. We did a quiz, uh, so you can test your Aston Villa knowledge by going back and checking that out. I think it's 45 minutes or so. Uh, really good fun to record, and uh, I've seen people sending their scores in. People have done pretty well, to be fair, even better than, than you guys there. Uh, we won't spoil where no. you came, Matt, but uh, yeah, no surprise that people beat <laughs> beat your score. Although I did say to you off air, um, you're normally the quiz master. Now I come bottom in yours because I'm rubbish with my memory as well. So it to is. flip the roles this this time, I was quiz master, and it actually turns out your memory's not great either. And now I know why you do the questions normally because you're not great at your memory either. I think we're just better at hosting, aren't we? That's what it is. Just yeah. got that natural. Just comes flair. naturally to some of us, doesn't it? Just comes yeah. naturally. Um, right, thank you, Matt, for joining me on this podcast and throughout the year. We'll obviously have a couple of days break now before we come back with something fresh. Um, thanks, everyone, for watching along live on this one on the 30th of December. If you're catching up at some point, we, uh, we appreciate you as well. Get involved in the YouTube comments. Get involved with Spotify reviews, iTunes reviews, all those kind of things. Uh, if you can say nice things as well, that's, uh, that's very helpful and very much appreciated. Matt, thank you. Do you want to do the outro? Do you want to say bye? And I'll click the buttons. Yes, um, happy new year to all of our beloved listeners and viewers. Uh, what a year! What a year it's been. Let's hope that 2024 is even better. And up the bailies. <laughs>